you've turned into Sorting Pin, the California Cattlemen's podcast. Every day, the California Cattlemen's Association is sorting through the issues impacting California's ranching families and producers. To communicate those issues, discuss solutions, and keep ranchers current on the hot topics, CCA leadership has developed this podcast. Today, we sit down with Kirk Wilbur, Vice President of Government Affairs for the California Cattlemen's, to talk about CCA's fire legislation. Thanks for joining us for Sorting Pin, the California Cattlemen podcast. We're here in the California Cattlemen's office in downtown Sacramento, California. I'm Katie Roberti, CCA's Director of Communication. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Kirk Wilbur, CCA's Vice President of Government Affairs. Welcome, Kirk. Thank you, Katie. Glad to be here. Lots going on right now, but on a lot of people's mind is fire. We're currently covered in smoke as is most of the North State. So today we're going to be focusing on fire and kind of what CCA has going on that to hopefully mitigate future fire seasons. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, We've been focused, obviously, this legislative session almost exclusively on uh, fire suppression and mitigation and resilience efforts. So happy to chat with you about those today. Yeah. Uh, Tony and I, in our very first podcast, kind of chatted about the CCA Fire Subcommittee, gave a little background on that committee, and I know they've been working really hard with you on this. Yeah, so uh, obviously last year, 2020, was a catastrophic wildfire season here in California. Burned up about 4% of the state. Uh, We had our fire subcommittee meet last October, October of 2020. Obviously, that was a virtual meeting because of the uh, coronavirus pandemic. But they told us they had three priorities. Those were increasing access to livestock during wildfire events, increasing grazing on state lands to help suppress fuel loads, And finally, to improve the uh, prevalence of prescribed fire on the landscape. So we ran with all three of those priorities in our legislative package for this year. That's a lot to take. It was. But moving into, let's talk about the Ag Pass first. So I know last August, September, the CCA office was receiving a lot of calls from members saying, I can't get behind the lines. My animals need feed. I need to check on them. So kind of maybe tell us about how that came together and where it's going. Yeah, certainly. Uh, During any wildfire event, obviously law enforcement officials or emergency management officials will close off uh, access roads in order to prevent the public from either endangering themselves by going past fire lines or, uh, you know, impeding the efforts of uh, emergency personnel, you know, may may happen if they go past those fire lines. Uh, Obviously, that impacts ranchers whose animals may be past those fire lines and who need to get past those fire lines in order to properly treat or evacuate their animals. Uh, I actually was on the phone with Dave Daly last year when the bear fire was sweeping through his federal allotment. Uh, He was at a roadblock trying to access his animals at that time. And ultimately, of course, those animals, uh, you know, did succumb to that fire, the bear fire up in the Plumas. We had heard from Ventura County that they had a local ag pass program that would allow ranchers and certain other agriculturists to get past fire lines, you know, through the uh, implementation of some training given to ranchers and an ag pass card that was given to them at the county level. They could show that card and get past fire lines. That was obviously of interest to our ranchers uh, throughout the state who had been impacted by fires last year. Uh, So it was something they asked us to look into facilitating on a statewide level. Otherwise, you do risk those damages to your livestock. We've had people who have just breezed past those fire lines and kind of said, we'll we'll deal with the ticket or we'll deal with any kind of uh, lawsuit after the fact. And you've also had a number of ranchers who simply won't evacuate because they want to be able to stay behind fire lines and treat their animals. Uh, so an ag pass that will actually give them access after an area has been evacuated, give them access past those roadblocks is very beneficial because it helps protect them and helps protect the livestock. 
great. That's a great background on the issue and kind of the idea behind it. Specifically, we have a bill going on this. Can you kind of outline that and kind of what that would facilitate through the AgPass program? Yeah. So I mentioned that our fire subcommittee asked us to kind of explore how we could export that Ventura program to other counties throughout the state. That ended up becoming Assembly Bill 1103, which has been authored by Assemblymember Megan Dolly. We're very appreciative to her for that effort. That bill would not create or mandate AgPass programs in every county throughout the state. What it really does is seeks to facilitate county adoption of those programs. I mentioned Ventura already has a program. By the time we introduced Assembly Bill 1103, uh, Santa Barbara had also developed a program uh, thanks to the efforts of our fire subcommittee chairman, Anthony Stornetta. But a lot of other counties we spoke to, particularly smaller rural counties, said, we'd love to have an AgPass program. I'd speak to their agricultural commissioners. Our ranchers would like to have an AgPass program, but we simply don't have the resources as a small rural county uh, or the political will to create an individualized AgPass program. Because remember, Ventura and Santa Barbara were creating these from scratch. They were reinventing the wheel every time in order to implement a county-level AgPass program. So AB 1103 seeks to do three things. Uh, one is it creates a statewide training program developed and administered by the state fire marshal. Uh, that, that establishes a uniform training program that can maybe be adapted at the county level by each county. But I think that's the biggest impediment to counties creating an AgPass program is they have to you know, reinvent this wheel for training ranchers in the community. This will create that training and basically set a framework for administering that training to ranchers throughout the state. So it'll make it easier for a county to adopt a program because they don't have to reinvent that wheel. They can just adopt the state fire marshal's training program. The second thing the bill does is it creates you know, certain requirements for who can apply for an AgPass program as well as how that AgPass program is administered. So for instance, you have to demonstrate that you're a commercial livestock producer and you have to you know, have certain elements on your ag pass that is administered by the county. And the third major thing that it does, which I think is crucial, is it edits the, it amends rather the penal code to require that under most circumstances, law enforcement or emergency personnel who are guarding that roadblock have to give access to those individuals who have a county validated ag pass program card uh, so that they can go and treat or evacuate their livestock. Uh, so I think by doing those three things, this really kind of makes it easier for a county, if that county desires to do so, to adopt its own AgPass program. So we can hopefully see those proliferate throughout the state. Yeah, that's great. And I know some of the locals who have already had it set up, even during these current fires, I think the Dixie Fire being one of them, the AgPass program locally is already showing its benefit and just really helping ranchers get behind that line. One question we've gotten a lot about the AgPass program is what if a county already has it set up as a local level? Are they going to have to change something if this bill goes through? Yeah, so there's there's a couple of points to hit on there. During the amendment process in the policy committees of the Assembly and then the Senate, we have taken certain amendments to AB 1103. Uh, it initially was a very broad ag pass proposal, for instance, that would have applied to crop irrigation and other agricultural practices. Uh, we did get some concern from other agricultural industries that this may impede existing programs in, say, Napa or Sonoma counties regarding uh, wine grapes, for instance. So they did ask us to limit this to a livestock pass bill. We, of course, are the California Cattlemen's Association. We represent livestock producers. Uh, so we were happy to do that. So AB 1103 only 
dictates what is required for a livestock pass, not just a, a more general ag pass. So if you are trying to get access to a commercial ranching operations livestock, uh, you would have to be in compliance with what AB 1103 sets forth, the training program, the administration, etc. Now, that doesn't mean that a county can't have a broader ag pass program. You'll, you'll note that I mentioned, you know, part of the reason this bill was amended was to facilitate those existing programs in other counties. If you have a livestock pass program adopted by a county, and I know Butte County has done that, for instance, uh, Nevada, Sutter, and Placer, I believe, counties uh, are doing that under Dan Macon. Uh, they've just kind of started that program. If you have that sort of limited to livestock program, it will be facilitated by 1103 and it has to be developed and rolled out in accordance with 1103. But nothing in the bill precludes a county from kind of piggybacking off of that for crop irrigation or other agricultural practices. So it may entirely be feasible for a county uh, like Ventura that has a more expansive ag pass to administer their livestock access in accordance with 1103 but then simply piggyback off the provisions of that bill to also facilitate access for other agricultural purposes that their county board of supervisors, for instance, views prudent. Well, with more ranches coming in contact with fire and having to be prepared and know exactly what to do um, as fire seasons continue to get worse, this is super exciting. Can you tell us what hurdles we kind of have left before we see this to the finish line? Yeah, so this bill hasn't had too many hurdles so far. Uh, like I say, we've, we've had to take amendments throughout the process to alleviate some of the concerns of labor, of firefighters, of other ag industries. Uh, most of those haven't substantively changed the purpose of our bill. For instance, the firefighters were concerned that folks might be provided access for auxiliary support, things like identifying access roads and water sources without first being asked to do so by the firefighters. We clarified that, of course, you can't just go on to the go, go past the roadblocks and force this information upon emergency responders that has to be done at the request of those emergency responders. So we have taken amendments throughout this process, but it's been pretty low key, pretty much in accordance with what we uh, sought to achieve when we laid out this idea in October of 2020. This has sailed through the assembly without a no vote. It has sailed through the Senate's policy committees without a no vote. Uh, it is now before the Senate Appropriations Committee. It had been placed on the Senate Appropriations Committee's suspense file. That really just is any bill that could cost the state more than $150,000 goes on their suspense file. That'll be taken up at the latest by the 27th of this month, which is the deadline for the Appropriations Committees to consider bills. Given that this has not been objected to by a single legislator so far this session, we are hopeful that that bill will sail through the Appropriations Committee in the Senate and uh, ultimately get through the Senate and land on Governor Newsom's desk for his signature. I do want to note there has been some pushback from the Department of Finance that has put some pretty substantial costs on this bill related to, for instance, the fire marshal developing that curriculum. We will be speaking CCA's government affairs team in the coming days with the Department of Finance to see if we can educate them about what the likely costs of this bill are and, and kind of soften their position on this bill to facilitate it going through the Senate Appropriations Committee. But it's been a pretty smooth ride so far, not much of a journey left uh, in the legislature. So we're hopeful this bill will, will pass out shortly. I know you and our contract lobbyist, Jason Bryant, along with our executive director, Billy Gatlin, have worked really hard on moving this through. And I think it's a great example of something CCA members kind of brought to the table, and now we're working on fixing it. In addition to that, prescribed fire practitioners have repeatedly talked about, I think primarily in the CCA fire subcommittee, about the need to reduce liability. So that's for prescribed fires, controlled burns. Now CCA is also sponsoring a bill on that. Can you give us a little update on that? Yes. Yeah, so uh, like I mentioned in October 2020, one of the three big priorities of our fire subcommittee 
was to increase the application of prescribed fires on the landscape. Uh, we spoke to our friends in the University of California Cooperative Extension System, folks like Lenya Quinn Davidson, who have experience with applying prescribed fire. And they told us the single biggest deterrent to them applying prescribed fires is the fear of liability. Less than 1% of prescribed fires that are set escape their intended bounds. Uh, when they do, it's even less common that you'll see a structure or an individual harmed by those fires. And it's even less common that you'll see litigation or, or a request for relief from that damage. Uh, so it's pretty low risk overall, but the fear of being sued if a structure is damaged or if a person is harmed by those flames does keep prescribed fire practitioners from applying fires in, in many circumstances. So what we initially sought to do with Senate Bill 332, uh, which was our legislative vehicle there, uh, authored by Assemblymember Bill Dodd, uh, we initially sought to immunize prescribed fire practitioners from legal liability for damaged structures or persons that are harmed by fire when those prescribed fires do escape their intended bounds, unless those folks operate with some kind of gross negligence. Uh, that bill did get some pushback from uh, trial attorneys, from personal injury folks. As a result, we took a sort, sort of different tack. We amended the bill so that it instead immunizes prescribed fire practitioners from liability for cost recovery from CAL FIRE. Typically, if you have a prescribed fire escape its intended bounds, CAL FIRE comes in and will suppress that fire, but then they can charge the prescribed fire practitioner with the costs they incurred in putting out that fire. Uh, that is the new direction we took with the bill. And frankly, you're much more likely to get a bill from CAL FIRE than you are to harm someone else's private property. Uh, so this probably in the long run benefits our members even more than the initial iteration of the bill. But it is our hope that by immunizing them from those cost recovery requirements from CAL FIRE, by immunizing them from getting a bill from CAL FIRE after they've had a fire escape, that won't be in their minds when they determine whether or not to apply fire to the landscape and we'll see more prescribed fire as a result. Before the governor signs this, hopefully in October, um, what needs to be done? Uh, this is in a similar position to AB 1103. It's just in a different house. This one's in the assembly now after sailing through the Senate with no no votes. It was considered last week. This bill is currently in the Appropriations Committee. We expect that it will be referred to the Appropriation Committee's suspense file. Again, this has a cost to the state of more than $150,000 because of the possibility that CAL FIRE will recover fewer costs from prescribed burners. We expect that it will be put on the suspense file, but again, by the 27th, I expect this bill to, to come off of the suspense file in the assembly and hopefully be uh, approved by the broader assembly and go on Governor Newsom's desk. One more note on SB 332. I mentioned that we initially sought to immunize prescribed fire practitioners from liability to individuals who may have structures or personal harm from prescribed fire. Uh, while we did scrap that in, a, in Senate Bill 332, that concept is still very much alive. There is presently a play in the California budget that is supported by CCA, supported by a number of other groups and individuals that are interested in fire resiliency and, and healthy forests in California. There is a budget play to set up a $25 million prescribed fire claims fund. That basically would allow someone who has damages from an escaped fire to take from that $25 million pot rather than suing the prescribed fire practitioner. So we may end up uh, getting what we initially wanted out of this bill just through another avenue. Last but not least, um, okay. you said there were three state lands grazing. Can you kind of bring us up to speed on that? 
Yeah, and I will touch on this one fairly briefly because this is a two-year bill uh, that won't be heard until January at the earliest. We did introduce uh, earlier this year Assembly Bill 434. That bill sought to increase the use of livestock grazing on state-owned lands, lands owned by state parks, the California Department of Fish and Wildlife, and the California Lands Commission, in order to suppress fire fuels on state lands and prevent wildfires from igniting and spreading. There's been some good research from the University of California Cooperative Extension that demonstrates that livestock grazing can do a great job of minimizing the incidence and expansion of fire by just kind of grazing down those fire fuels that lead to these large conflagrations. We were approached by Assemblymember Robert Rivas to run a bill. Robert Rivas is the chair of the Assembly Agricultural Committee, so obviously a great friend to have. He wanted to do something in that crossroads between wildfire reduction and agriculture, which is his committee's uh, purview, and we brought this bill to his attention. It is a massive priority of CCA. I think it's a priority of Robert Rivas's office as well. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, as you mentioned at the outset, three sponsored bills is quite a lot for CCA to carry in a year. Assemblymember Rivas also had a, a number of sort of heavy hitting bills this year, very few of which were non-controversial, much like I think our members will appreciate state lands grazing tends to be controversial among certain environmental communities here in California. So the decision was made not to carry forth Assembly Bill 434 this year, but rather to uh, hold that as a two-year bill that can be considered next year. We are hopeful that we can make some real headway in advancing the amount of grazing that occurs on state-owned lands here in the state of California, because you really do see a significant number of the catastrophic fires that sparked in 2020 and 2021 sparking and burning through state-owned lands. So if we can minimize some of those fuels on state-owned lands, uh, we can hopefully reduce the amount of acreage that burns here in the state. Yeah, that would definitely be a win for everyone. That's a great update, Kirk. Three bills is a lot of work, but we are definitely excited to see where these go in October. And I know we're all looking forward to hopefully getting them past the finish line. But as we kind of teased in the last episode, we do have an exciting new addition to our team that's hopefully going to be helping with some of the regulatory work that you've been doing. We have a new friendly face that has joined the California Cattlemen's team, and that is Victoria. So we're happy to have Victoria on the podcast with us now and just wanted to kind of give our members a brief introduction to Victoria. So welcome, Victoria. Hi, thanks, Katie. It's nice to be here. Yeah, Victoria, why don't you just give us a little background? Um on where you come from and why you're excited to be joining this industry. Sure. So I am a recent graduate from McGeorge School of Law. I came from Modesto, born and raised in a farm town with uh, a lot of agricultural background in my family, specifically my grandma owns lots of land. So I'm here really to advocate for the cattle ranchers and beef producers that I know work so hard on a daily basis and I'm really excited to be able to bring their voice more into the regulatory sphere and be able to um, educate regulators on the importance of the work that we know that ranchers do every day. We're super happy to have you join our team, Victoria. Um, Victoria is working for the California Cattlemen's Foundation with support from the California Cattle Council. One last thing, just for fun. Victoria, let's tell everyone what is your favorite meal with beef in it or favorite cut of beef? You know, I think I'm a classic hamburger type of girl, honestly. Like, I don't I don't really do any fancy dishes at home. We just stick to the traditionals. Nothing wrong with that. Kirk, what about you? Oh, goodness. I didn't expect to be put on the spot there. You know, I, my, my go-to at most restaurants does tend to be like a bacon cheeseburger. Any cut of steak, I'm a big fan of. Well, it was great having you both on the podcast. We look forward to hearing more from you, Victoria. And Victoria's already been writing for 
our publication's legislative bulletin and had a bunkhouse in our September magazine of the California Cattlemen. Um, So we look forward to working more with you, Victoria. Thank you, Katie. Great to be here. And thank you, Kirk, for all those updates. We'll have you. you again on the podcast soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening in to this episode of Sorting Pen, the California Cattlemen's podcast. In the loading chute for our next episode, CCA's Fire Subcommittee will join us to talk more on fire. Join us soon.